You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So as we are working through this 40-day journey, we've been uh, we've been going through, again, this forgiveness challenge and, and looking at the five phases that lead to freedom. And, and again, not the five phases that earn us freedom or earn us our forgiveness, because that's already been done for Jesus, uh, by Jesus for you. But looking at the five stages that allow us to understand what it is that God has done for us and to enter into that, that forgiveness process to us and then for those around us. And as we've been doing that, we've been looking at the scars, the, the scars in our own lives and the scars of Jesus. And, and, and this week we're looking at absolution, but if we look at all five of those, S-C-A-R-S, we're looking at sin, confession, absolution, restoration, and sanctification. All right, but today is day 20 in this 40-day journey, and today we're finally going to define a word that's pretty important for us to define in the midst of the forgiving challenge, the word forgiveness. Right? We've not actually defined the word forgiveness yet, and there are lots of different ways that you can define forgiveness. Uh, I defined it even differently in Bible class earlier this morning, but, but for our time together as we go throughout this forgiving challenge, uh, we're going to look at this forgiveness in twofold, in two, in two ways. Right, first is, is to cancel a debt. Right, so like if, if I owed you $1,000 and you forgave me of that debt, I would no longer owe you $1,000. Right, it wouldn't be like, well, we'll delay that payment till later or you can make installments as you go along. No, if, if you forgive me of that debt, I no longer owe you any of it. Right, and that, that causes some pain to somebody and it'd be you, because you're the one that's missing out on that $1,000. But that's what it means to, to forgive. But also, to forgive means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Right? And so not only are you, would you be forgiving me of that $1,000 so I'd no longer have to pay you back, but you also, in forgiving, you also wouldn't be angry or resentful toward me that I never paid it back. You wouldn't bring it back up over and over and over again. Otherwise, that wouldn't be forgiveness. And so, to forgive is to cancel a debt and to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. And so, as, we, as we're going through these five phases, sin, confession, absolution, restoration, and sanctification, Today and throughout this week, we're going to be looking at absolution. And absolution really is that first piece of the definition to, to simply cancel a debt. And I say simply, not easily, but, but that's what absolution is, to cancel a debt. And we'll talk, we'll define that a little bit broader uh, a little bit later. But, but then next week as we get into restoration, that's when we're going to be looking at that second definition, to, to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or mistake, to, to restore that relationship. Another R word that we could use for that is Reconciliation. But sin, confession, absolution, restoration, sanctification, as we've been looking at these five different phases, we've been doing so through the disciple Peter. 
We've been looking at his life and his discipleship, his following of Jesus, and we see that Peter's one of those who has some of the highest highs, but he also has the lowest of lows. And last week, Vicar Rathke uh, spent some time in chapter 81, or 89, right, which is John 21. It's the 89th chapter in all the Gospels. It's the last chapter in the Gospel. And as, as John chapter 21 opens up, we, we open up on this scene of, of Peter who's going fishing. Now, we can't read his mind. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know exactly why Peter's going fishing. He may have just needed to blow off some steam, but it's also very likely that he could have thought that I have messed up so badly this discipleship thing that I just need to go back to what, I'm, what I used to do, what I'm good at. It's, it's time for me to go back fishing again. Again, we don't know, but that's, that's a, a possibility. But as they're doing this, as, as Peter is fishing, he goes the whole night with his buddies, and they don't catch a single thing. But as, as dawn is coming up, there's this figure who comes out to the edge of the, uh, of the lake and calls out and says, cast your nets on the other side. And so they do, and they haul in an enormous amount of fish. And that takes us back to the very first time that, that Jesus met Peter. It was a time exactly like this, where Peter was fishing with some friends, and they didn't catch a single thing, and, and this man comes up and says, cast your nets on the other side, and they do, and they, they bring in so many fish that one boat can't handle them all. And so, as, as we see in John 21, it is John himself who calls out first, it's the Lord. But Peter is the one who jumps out of the boat and immediately runs to go see Jesus and, and I can just feel Peter's excitement, right? As, he, as Jesus is maybe recreating this scene where, where he first called Peter to be his disciple, maybe, maybe Peter is thinking, oh, he's doing it again. I thought I messed up so badly, but, but he's going to do it again. He's going to call me to go and be his disciple. And so Peter jumps out of the boat and runs to meet Jesus. And then we get to verse 9. And what, what I love about this scene is Peter's jumping out of the boat and running to go see Jesus, but John tells us that the others weren't very far off, and so I just picture Peter trying to run through the water and this boat pulling up right beside him as he gets to, the, as he gets to land. And it says, when they got out on land, the, the other disciples, the other fishermen, and Peter, when they, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Now, this seems like a pretty inconspicuous verse. There are some weird details in here that sometimes like, okay, Jesus was making breakfast. But there's a word in here. We're going to learn a little bit of Greek today. And there's a word in here, in this phrase, anthrakion. So anthrakion, it means charcoal fire. So when they got out on land, they saw an anthrakion in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And as we see, as we know throughout the Bible, there are lots of fires, right? The first time that God meets Moses, it's within a bush that's burning but not being burnt up. When God is leading the, people, the Israelites throughout the desert for 40 years, He's leading them by a pillar of fire. Later, after Jesus ascends into heaven, He promises to send His helper, His Spirit. And when He does that, the Spirit comes on to the disciples in, in forms of tongues of fire. 
And so fire is all throughout the Bible, but this word, anthrokine, is only used twice in the entire Bible. So why do we care about a word that's only used twice in the entire Bible? Well, let's look at the other time that this charcoal fire is referred to. This is in Matthew 18 where it says, the servant girl at the door, or sorry, this is John chapter 18, uh, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I'm not. Right? After Peter had professed that I will never deny you, Jesus, even if all the other disciples deny you, I will never deny you. Even if I have to die, I won't deny you. There's a servant girl who says to Peter, aren't you that guy? And Peter denies Jesus. Now the servants and officers had made an anthracayan, a charcoal fire, because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. But Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. And then we jump forward a few verses. Uh, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself again around that anthracayan. And so they said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it again and said, I'm not. And then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And at once a rooster crowed. So around this charcoal fire, around this anthracayan, was Peter's worst moment in his life, where he had before, just moments before, promised that he would never deny Jesus, and then three times standing around this charcoal fire, Peter denies Jesus, one of the worst moments in his entire life. And we have to ask ourselves, why would Jesus recreate this moment? Right, again, as I'm picturing it, I see Peter's excitement as he jumps out the boat thinking, I've got a second chance, it's going to happen, and he gets to the shore, and the first thing, and again, I'm putting words in it because I'm, I'm making the picture in my head, the first thing that he sees, or actually the first thing that he smells, is the charcoal fire, that if Peter's anything like me, immediately takes him back to that moment, immediately takes him back to that denial, to that worst moment in his life. So why is Jesus recreating this anthracayan? What we're going to see is that God doesn't want us to relive our worst moments, but he wants to relieve us from them. What's different about this anthracayan is not that it's being used to simply warm the people around it, but Jesus is cooking a meal. In Jesus' day, when, when you were angry with someone, when you wanted to, sh but, but then you were going to offer them forgiveness, when you wanted to show them that you forgave them, you did it with a meal. You fed them. That was the ultimate way to show that you had forgiven them. And so, so Jesus recreates this, the worst moment of Peter's life and enters into it, and through it, offers forgiveness. He says, I forgive you. Let's move forward. Let's work together. And then he says, you know, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, and Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, well, feed my lambs. 
And then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to Peter a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus around that anthracayan. And three times Jesus, again, around that anthracayan, offers Peter a way forward and cancels his debt. Part of our healing process is dealing with our past. Right? Jesus here is entering into Peter's worst moment. Again, not that Peter would relive it over and over and over again, but so that he might be relieved from that. And again, part of that healing process is dealing with our past. And it makes me wonder, what would have happened had this scene never taken place? What would have happened if, if Peter you know, came in off the boat and Jesus said, Peter, I forgive you, and then they moved on? Well, if Peter's anything like me, every single time Peter smelled charcoal, or every single time he heard a rooster crow, he would have been immediately transported back to that moment, that worst moment in his life. I still, to this day, can picture the, it was one of the first few weeks of my high school career. I was in, I was a freshman at Hastings High, and I was walking through one of the hallways, a hallway that I walked through multiple times a day, every day. And I was walking through the hallway, and there was a stairwell to my left, and I happened to look to, that, to my left as I was walking past that stairwell, and I saw, I, I never saw the front of their faces, I just saw back of the heads, but I saw one boy who looked quite large punching another boy. I'm brand new to high school, I have no clue what's happening, and I freeze but not freeze and I stop and I take in the scene. I freeze and I keep, like, I just kept doing what I was doing. I, I, I just kept going. And then, again, I never saw who it was, so I never was able to go back and, and see if I could help or anything. Every other time I walked past that hallway for the rest of my high school career, all I could see was that scene replaying over and over in my head thousands of times. I'm pretty confident that would have been the same for Peter had Jesus not entered into this moment and fed him and said, Peter, I forgive you. But what's interesting is it's not just this worst moment of Peter's life that Jesus enters into. If you remember how the scene started, it was the very first time that they met. And so, from the, and so Jesus is recreating not only the first time that they met, but also probably what Peter thought should have been the last time that they ever were together as friends, right? So from the very first moment to the very last moment, or from the first to the worst, Jesus is entering into Peter's life and saying, Peter you are forgiven. So another word that we need to define today is absolution. 
We, we for, defined forgiveness, and we said again, to cancel a debt, we gave a very basic definition of it, but really it's to release from guilt or, or, or obligation or punishment. So, so to release from obligation, right, I no longer have to pay that $1,000, but also I don't need to feel guilty about it anymore because you have forgiven that debt and, and you can't hold it over me anymore. You can't punish me for it because, again, that's been forgiven. That's what absolution is, to be released from that punishment, that obligation, and that guilt. But again, that's not without pain. It's not without someone needing to pay for that debt. And for Peter, and for you and for me, that person who pays for that debt is Jesus. You know, for Peter, God took him back to that, that moment around the Anthrakayan. He took him back to that moment, not to relive that moment over and over, but to relieve him from that moment. But Jesus didn't just do that for Peter, he did that for all of humanity. At the very beginning, Jesus, or God, and Adam and Eve walked together in the cool of the evening. They had a perfect relationship together. But one day as, they, as, as Adam and Eve stood around a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were tempted to do the one thing that God had told them not to do, and it was to eat of that tree. And ultimately, that's what Eve does, and ultimately, that's what Adam does as they, they eat of the fruit that they were told not to eat as they stand around that tree. But moments later, Jesus, or God comes in and he, he speaks and He begins His redemption process. He begins His absolution process that, that lasts thousands of years. That process takes thousands of years until on another tree. Jesus is raised up on a broken tree that has all of its limbs removed and in that moment, Jesus enters into not just Peter's worst moment, not just your worst moment, but humanity's worst moment as He hangs on a tree and speaks another word that we're going to learn today, tetelestai. Tetelestai means it is finished. And as Jesus speaks that word, uh, I, can, I can only assume that the devil is celebrating, that the devil is cheering because he thinks it's over. He thinks that he has won. But notice Jesus says, it is finished, not I am finished. And what Jesus means by it is finished is he means that the debt is canceled. It is paid in full, not so not around a charcoal fire, but, but on a tree, taking us back to the worst moment in humanity. But remember, when Jesus came into Peter's Anthrakayan, came into that moment, He didn't just recreate the charcoal fire, but He also fed him as that, that marker of forgiveness. Peter, don't just hear the words, I'm forgiven, but taste them. Taste them and know that you are absolved. The, the guilt has been paid for, the debt has been paid for, you are free. And also on that tree, Jesus was preparing a meal for you and for me. A meal that we get to come together 
and, and partake of in just a few moments, a, a meal where on that tree Jesus' body was broken and His blood was shed for you and for me, for the forgiveness of sins. Because today Jesus comes to you and He says to you, don't just hear my words. My words are powerful, but don't just hear my words, taste them. Taste and see that you are forgiven. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You're absolved. The debt has been paid on a tree. And in that, Jesus prepared a meal for you and for me to not only hear the words of Jesus, but to taste them so that today you might go out knowing that you are forgiven even of your worst moments. Amen? Amen.